0: create your symphony of success with sales enablement. Melissa Madian is the founder and chief fabulous officer at TMM Enablement Services. She was one of the first people to pioneer the sales enablement role and has spent the past 25 years perfecting the sales experience for revenue generating teams. Together with Melissa, I will explore why it is so important to have a sales process that considers the customer's perspective and is not all about you. How do you define sales enablement? What does it mean to you? What are the pillars of it? Let's get yeah. some insights. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's funny because if you ask anyone what, what is sales enablement, the definition of sales enablement, you'll get you know five different, 17 different answers. Uh, but to me, sales enablement is about providing the process, the tools and the training to revenue generating customer facing functions so that uh, they can provide the best customer experience while also closing more business faster uh, with the intent of building customers throughout the entire life cycle and that's how i look at sales enablement okay great so
0: you also include the overall customer facing teams into sales enablement can you give us some more insights on who do we actually count to customer facing teams because there's sure. differences in the definition sometimes
1: yeah so um I, I feel like a lot of, of organizations view sales enablement as the people who are responsible for closing new business. Mm-hmm. And the challenge with that is you, you potentially have a whole other side of your business that's responsible for keeping the customers that you have and growing the existing customers that you have. So I've always viewed enablement. Uh, and I think actually sales enablement is a bit of a misnomer. Um, I prefer field enablement or, you um, sort of revenue enablement, just because you have folks who are responsible for capturing and creating new customers, but you also have folks who are responsible for keeping those customers and growing those customers. So to me, it's that entire life cycle of um, how do I enable the folks who are responsible for net new customers, but also how how do I enable the folks who are responsible for keeping and growing the customer base Mm -hmm. so that everyone across the customer life cycle is saying the same thing, uh, providing the same value. And that way, from the customer standpoint, there isn't this joint, disjointed process between when they become a new customer and the people who are supporting and, uh, and expanding that customer.
0: Okay, hey, great. Super. Thanks for that uh, course into customer-facing. Wonderful. So let's dive into the key topic of today of how can we actually build a human connection with our prospects. And from your point of view, Melissa, what are the three tips and tricks you want to share with us on really get it as a natural connection and be human there and not automated it or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I'd say the number one is know who your target audience is. know to whom it is that you are selling and what they care about. So just understanding what is going on in the head of the customer is number one the most critical thing to think about. Quite often I see sales pitches that are very focused on the company, very focused on, you know, here is what we do and the benefits we provide. And the audience doesn't care. Like um, I actually had uh, one client I was with on Monday, I flat out said, nobody cares about you (laughs) really. And I mean it politely, but nobody cares about you. What the, the buyer cares about, what the customer cares about is themselves. And how are, how are they going to become better by whatever product or service that you have to offer. So understanding the customer and knowing what they care about, understanding the audience is number one. Uh, the second tip I would say is be where they are. Uh, so a lot of companies I work with aren't necessarily on social media uh, or their customers aren't on social media. And so their their question is, do I really have to go on the LinkedIn's and the Twitter's? and my answer is is that where your customers are because if your prospective buyers don't hang out on linkedin and they they aren't getting their information on linkedin or on twitter probably doesn't make sense for you to be there either um it's just like when we were able to go in person to conferences you wouldn't go if you're a healthcare professional you're not going to go to a uh, a Bitcoin conference, right? It just doesn't make any sense because those two things, that's not where your prospective buyers would be hanging out. So um, the first point is know who your customers are and what they care about. The second is go where they are, go where they are learning information. Um, and then the third point is be authentic and provide value. Um, it's funny cause I, I was uh, just catching up on my LinkedIn prior to this. And I saw a post from one of my connections that said you know, for, stop sending me connections, I'm happy to connect, but stop um, selling me things as soon as I make that connection. And I couldn't agree more. Um, I am happy to make connections with anyone on LinkedIn. If anyone on this call wants to send me a connection on LinkedIn, I'm very happy to make that connection. What I don't like is when I accept the connection and I get an almost immediate, thanks for connecting, and then I get a sales pitch. And it's like, I. I, you know, I'm here to make a human connection with you because mutually we have some some uh, interests in common and uh, we have connections in common. But if I make a connection with you and you start sales pitching me about something that is absolutely irrelevant to me, I'm now at a point where I remove the connection. I'm like, sorry, you lost your chance. You know, that's that's uh, it's not the way you make a human valuable connection. Um, So be authentic and and know the value that you're making in that connection would be my third point Okay, super.
0: So to summarize it the first one was know your target group and your target customer and the audience in terms of social media or Not in terms of social media, but be where the customer is Actually act on those platforms and the third one is be authentic and provide value to the customer super so This actually leads me directly to my next question, Melissa, because whenever we interact with our prospects or customers, we should tell a story. Also, if we already have a relationship and want to further engage with a customer, number one thing, tell a story. So what are your secrets behind the art of storytelling? Yeah. So, um,
1: Humans love stories. I mean, we we go to movies to be entertained. Um, We watch TV shows, we binge on Netflix and on Amazon because we enjoy the stories and and the the plots that unfold. And um, the construct of telling a story is actually very specific. So my husband is a screenwriter and there is a very specific structure he follows to develop a script, whether it be for TV or for, for stories. And that structure is rooted in um, telling an effective story. You know, if you think about, um, let's use the TV show CSI where they're in Las Vegas and the opening of that show is not the credits. Uh, it's not, you know, the, 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 all of the credits of the, the TV show and everybody who's in it and everything like that. The first, you know, five minutes is people are at a really hot party in Vegas then all of a sudden dead body shows up and the CSI show up and they try to unpack exactly what's going on. And that hooks you into the story immediately. And then you get the credits and stuff like that. And then the plot unfolds. Uh, and there's no reason why you can't put that same construct into telling an effective story when you're with the buyer. Um, nobody wants, again, nobody wants to hear about you. <laughs> they want to hear about how they're the hero and how they can benefit from leveraging your products and services. So um, no one likes to be pitched at, but everyone loves hearing a story. And, and that's uh, storytelling is just so critical in engaging with your, your buyers and your customers and, and showing value to them. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great. So would you say the story is one of the keys? to make the customer experience when we engage with them also being the memorable experience itself.
1: Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. No one likes to be pitched at. No one, no one wakes up and says, oh, I can't wait to hear five sales pitches from different sales reps today and see all their PowerPoints. Nobody says that. But um, you know, if you, if you engage with a rep that tells you a great story about how you can benefit mm-hmm. and that rep provides you with a great experience, you suddenly don't view that sales rep as a sales rep anymore. You view them as a trusted advisor throughout the process with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, yeah, storytelling is absolutely fundamental. Yes. And the secret to
0: being memorized in the overall. Or maybe, can we also say that something, because we had this in one of our previous talks, the story itself can be something to create our dog whistle, that we are the standout people. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, and the provider to our customers.
1: So we
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any uh, tips and tricks on creating your dog whistle, your own dog whistle? Is there anything you can share on that side?
1: Yeah, so um, I remember back when I was working at a company called Eloqua, uh, Mm -hmm. and those marketing automation software provider have since been purchased by Oracle, went through that entire acquisition. And one of the things that, that we found was, um, we had a lot of great features and functions and everything like that, but again, no one cares, <laughs> no one cares about you. So one thing that our, our customer success organization did was actually take a look at the data and saw why are customers buying from us and why are they using us and how are they using us? And when, when we took a look at the data, we found some really unique nuggets of how customers get value out of the platform. And, uh, and that was a full data analysis. Now, if you're too small an organization to do like a full data ana- analysis, just ask your customers, hey, I just wanna spend half an hour to understand why did you buy from us? And, and why do you use us? And what value are you getting out of leveraging us? Mm-hmm. And just by asking the customers that use you that simple question, can open up a whole set of um, aha moments and dog whistle, as you put it, that says, oh, this is our secret sauce. And and this is really why people are buying from us and what makes us unique in the market. That's what I'm gonna focus in on. But ask your customers, because they'll they'll provide you with information you would have never thought of. Great, thanks for sharing that experience. Wonderful. Okay, so with
0: everything said so far about storytelling and how do we actually create that story around it and what do we need to focus on from your point of view melissa how does your perfect engagement with a customer look like in order to win them first place and secondly build them for life that they stay with us
1: yeah so the first is um don't pitch me (laughs) the first do not pitch me um teach me something new like tell me something I don't know that I should know as a buyer. Um, and how it however, it relates to the product or the service that you're selling, because nobody knows about your product or service and the value it provides better than you do as the sales rep. So if you want to connect with buyers, you need to frame up what that value is in their context. So I know that... Um, Uh, I can provide really great enablement services to customers, but why do they care? Well, they care because they're trying to make their salespeople more efficient, or they might be struggling with onboarding reps at a really rapid rate, as an example. So I'm gonna talk to them about that. I'm gonna talk to them about, you know, hey, you're doing this in a certain way now. Have you thought about doing it in a different way and teach them something new? Um, So that's one piece. And then once you start to establish that rapport with the customer or with the prospective buyer, guide them down the process quite often i see reps assume that the buyer knows how to buy and quite often they do not or quite often it's not a priority right so you know the the prospective buyer might be looking at you as a as a potential solution but they may also be doing 15 other things on the side that have absolutely nothing to do with you and if as a sales rep you're not helping the buyer to prioritize you and helping the buyer buy from you, you're going to get deprioritized quickly or you're just, it's going to, your opportunity is just going to hang there and in limbo and and nothing ever happens. Um, So helping the buyer buy from you and providing value at every stage of that journey with you is going to set you apart from, from any of the other sellers who are basically like, here's a proposal and let me know if you need any help. And it's like, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> telling me that you know, to, that I need to let you know if you need help is not gonna be helpful to me. Um, telling me the steps that I need to take in order to buy from you, that's helpful to me because now you've done my work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of reps really miss that. Um, and then the final piece is making sure the handoff, like if they do buy from you, handing them off to whomever handles um, the post sales process in an effective way, Uh, that creates a really great experience Uh, the analogy i always use is it's like a relay race and every member of your organization is in the relay and the customer is the baton and as a sales rep if you're not effectively handing that baton over to the post sales team Mm -hmm. then you drop the baton and you lose the race and that's not a great customer experience so you want to make sure that as a team, you're all co- collectively enabling the customer so they feel like they're part of, they've made the great decision of purchasing your product or your service.
0: Okay, great. I love this analogy to the team of the rating race. That's super. To summarize it for the audience, I, uh, I added in that, don't bitch at me, first one, <laughs> we heard that various times now tell me something new and add value to me as the customer and don't tell about myself who i am as the provider uh, guide me as the customer through the process of buying in the end and give me a clean smooth handover to the post sales process that everything keeps on running smoothly in order yep. to really going okay wonderful thank you so much melissa so Wow, time is flying again. We are already almost at the end. And before Melissa, before I want to add in the questions which we got from our our customer stories, from our participants, I would like to ask you one uh, thing. And I mean, we heard anything about Corona for the last weeks already. And uh, I think it's an important topic. However, following your social media and your postings, I also saw that you have a passion and put a lot of attention to Black Lives Matters initiatives. And is there anything you would like to share with the audience here and draw attention to?
1: Yeah, so the, thank you for asking that. Um, I've uh, just, through the events over the last few months, uh, it, it's it's become obvious that, so I am, I am Armenian by background, but um, just through the function of the color of my skin, I have privileges associated that folks and people of color do not. Um, So I'm an advocate of if I have the platform and I have the voice, I'm going to use it to amplify some things. So uh, I live in Toronto, Canada, and uh, I try to support my local charities as much as I can because I love my city and and I love the people who live in the city. Um, And I'm also an advocate for women's equality and, and rights. So Um, Two uh, functions that do a lot of really great work here in Toronto, and I encourage you all to look up your local chapters as well, um, is a charity called Black Women in Motion. Uh, And they're Toronto-based, and it's just at Black Women in Motion. Um, And they are a youth-led organization that empowers and supports Black women and survivors of sexual violence. Uh, And they are uh, gender-neutral, anti-racist, and uh, they try to create healing spaces for folks that um are either lgbtq um, are going through trans uh trans surgeries are just women uh, heterosexual women of uh, and have experienced sexual violence um they do a great job of reaching out to the community and empowering those folks so that's just one example of um one of the folks uh, one of the causes that i i feel really passionate about and again i encourage everyone to look up your local um charities and, and give them a helping hand. Because especially now in Corona, it's hitting a lot of folks and especially folks of color and uh, folks who are less fortunate uh, mm-hmm. than, than certainly I am. Um, so it's, it's always good to just help help out right now because a lot of folks are going, going through some stuff.
0: Thank you, I think that's wonderful. And thanks for sharing that with us. All right, so I see we have some questions, Melissa, from the audience. Okay. Uh, we're gonna take first one what is your strategy when your story has to address multiple individuals in the decision-making unit in different roles or how do you deal with multiple roles and owners in the decision-making unit to rephrase it
1: yeah so uh that's a great question because i i'm very passionate and sometimes anti what you might see out there so marketers and i love marketers they're very persona based so here are the personas you sell to and here's what each of those personas care about and i absolutely think that's important but even more important is uh, what are what are the the business reasons why people buy from you and the business reasons tend to be more constant across personas then the personas tend to be across um, selling use cases. So when you have multiple personas, you have multiple people, they all may care about different things, but they care about slightly different things as it relates to the same business challenge that the organization is trying to solve. So um, you absolutely should know who's in the room or in the room if we're in virtual <laughs> rooms like this um, and, and address what they care about but all in the context of the business challenge that the organization is solving by leveraging your product or service.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Next question. What is the best way to keep momentum in lead and opportunity
1: development? How do you keep the customer moving forward to a conclusion? Hmm. Um, that's, that's an interesting one, especially now in, in remote situations where you can't like walk into their office and knock on the door and say, Hey, here's, here's a basket of croissants. How are things going? Um, the, the important thing to remember is what is going on with the buyer? Um, just because you have a quota that you have to, um, meet by the end of a month or by the end of a quarter, the customer doesn't care about your quota. So um, you trying to move them along because you have a number to hit is going to do absolutely nothing to move them along. With a very rare exception, I, I used to work with one rep who actually did call his customers and say, "You know, my kid wants to go to college. Can you please close this deal by this date?" But he, that was how he built rapport with his customers, and I don't recommend that with everybody. He had that kind of uh, uh, he had that kind of uh, attitude that was very appealing. Um, what you need to think about is Um, why isn't the customer moving to the next stage? So if the customer has lost momentum or they've stalled, think about, okay, what's going on in their head right now? And have I answered all of the questions that they would be asking themselves at this stage of of their journey with me? And uh, what would be making them hesitate? Is it because I didn't paint enough value? For them? Is it they're just fearing of making a decision because they're worried about their bosses getting getting annoyed? Um, is there a budget problem right now? And things, I mean, Corona is a great example. All budgets get locked down because, because everyone's concerned about where they're going to be in, in two weeks. Um, so again, think about where the buyer is at and what's going on with them and see what questions you can answer to move them along the journey with you. Great. Right.
0: Thank you. Maybe one or two more, if okay for you. Sure. Um, what is the right balance between providing content, discovery, and directly addressing in a possible project when contacting?
1: Okay. So discovery is, is one of my dirty words. I am not a fan of using the term discovery because, again, nobody cares about you. Um, quite often, discovery is from the perspective of the vendor. I am, I am doing discovery on you customer to determine whether or not you fit in my criteria of an opportunity. And again, customer doesn't care about you. So if you're asking them a bunch of discovery questions and the intent of the questions is to qualify them in or out, then you're not doing the, the buyer, any kind of value or service or favors. So um, think about, I always tell my uh, sellers and anyone I work with, um, why are you calling them? (laughs) What is the purpose of your call with them or your email to them? Mm -hmm. And if the purpose is I'm trying to move them along in my buying journey, customer doesn't care. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna be sending an email, if you're gonna be sending a LinkedIn connection, if you're gonna be making a phone call, make sure that that connection is valuable to the buyer and that they get something out of it. And if they get something out of it, they will move along the journey with you because they feel like, Oh, this was a valuable connection. So, um, the balance is any connection that you make, why am I making it and make sure that the reason why I'm making it is about the buyer and not about me as the seller.
0: Great. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. So, Almost last question, Melissa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Where'd the time I'm go? Running. It's, I, don't know. I, I could teach <laughs> you for another an hour, but yeah. Unfortunately. Um, Melissa, are any things, you know, books, podcasts, or any special event in your life that had a big influence or even a person you want to share with our audience what had had, had a big impact and what made you who you are today?
1: Yeah. So I have been, since I was three years old, um, I have been a huge Walt Disney fan. Uh, my parents took me to Walt Disney World when I was a kid, when I was three years old, uh, and I've been a fan of the movies and the books and everything ever since. And, and not just because of the, but there's certainly a storytelling aspect, which I love, and the fantasy aspect of it, but one of the things that, that Disney was uh, fond of saying was, if you can dream it, you can do it. And I've always found that my sort of guiding, my North Star of, you know what? Anything is possible. If I can think of it, if I can dream, it's probably one of the reasons why I became a mechanical engineer. Like if I can dream it, I can do it. And, and, uh, and also how Disney creates their uh, customer experience and their buying experience and their theme park experience, the, the, the way they do all of that has always been an inspiration to me.
0: Great, wonderful. I love that too. I mean, <laughs> big, do it.
1: Yeah. Why not?
0: (laughs) Try it. Why not? (laughs) All right. So you mentioned LinkedIn before as one of the sources to connect with you. Are there any other ways participants can reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you?
1: Yep. LinkedIn is definitely a good one. I'm also on Twitter and on Instagram and it's just at Melissa Madian. And I have a website, which is just www.melissamadian.com. Very easy to, to connect with me. And certainly, I absolutely do. If you want to send me a LinkedIn request, please do. Um, I always like personalized LinkedIn requests so, so that I know you came from, from this webinar and that you enjoyed it. So uh, definitely feel free to connect with me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time today and for joining us and sharing your valuable experience and insights. I really loved speaking with you. As I mentioned, time is flying. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our time. Thank you again, and I'm definitely going to reach out again. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. It was great. Bye, Thank everyone.
0: <laughs> All right, everyone. I hope you also enjoyed the talk today as much as I did with Melissa. As a short info for next week, I will be speaking with Witness Sieg, the Senior Director of Enablement at Outreach, and we will speak about the discovery and why it never ends. So join again. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you.